In this episode, we talk about Mother's Day and what it means to be a mother. We look at the history of celebrating motherhood and the generational wounds we inherit from those who've gone before us. Welcome to Starlight Tea, where we're serving the tea for living a magically creative life. I'm Belinda Boring. And I'm Christy Cook. Starlight Tea Podcast, a member of the Once Upon a Podcast Network, is brought to you by Of Starlight and Moonbeams, a team of authors and creators who support, educate, and create community with other women creatives and soulpreneurs helping us all keep our cups filled so we never serve from an empty one. To receive notifications of new episodes, plus a free subscription to our monthly Moonbeams magazine, as well as other exclusive gifts and offerings, be sure to join our email list at ofstarlightandmoonbeams.com. Hey, Belinda, what's in your cup this week? Um, I just finished my my weekly side hustle that had me sweating a little. So I'm drinking beautifully iced water and my body's loving me for it. I'm hoping that as the weather keeps getting warmer and I'm more active that I'm able to kick my soda habit. That's my goal. Keep saying I'm going to kick it and <laughs> it doesn't happen. So fingers crossed. As for what's happening in my life cup this week, well, I feel like I've pretty much been feasting on big old pieces of humble pie. <laughs> I'm not surprised with it being the Scorpio full moon tonight with that added lunar eclipse because it feels like a mirror has been held up to me this entire week and that I've needed to really look at where my expectations are at the moment and whether or not they're realistic. I keep saying that I've got to make sure they're realistic, but something's not changing because I'm still making the same mistakes. I don't know, same stuff. And so uh, Christy, for those who missed it, she guided us on a journey to a Beltane wedding during our Beltane gathering for Starlight and Moonbeams. And one of the things that I walked away from that um, and from the goddess that came was the word stillness. And it's, you know, that blessed moment where you just pause and you're just still and just everything stops. Um, I wasn't quite sure why that was the word that just kept going over and over in my head during the journey until I found that I needed to do that quite a lot this week. I just wanted to react. My I could feel my emotions starting to get the better of me. And see, there's this quote that I like that I repeat myself. I even sing it. It's where I want to act and not be acted upon. And that's, mm. that's kind of my saying that I say to remind myself, okay, stop, you're starting to kind of spiral. Mm. So anyway, that has been this week, you know, stillness is the mindset that I've been trying to practice. There's been lots of working in my yard, which is another thing that we talked about a couple episodes ago that I had learned that for me, the cancer in Mars, I believe it was, um, that's how I process emotional things by being physical. Um, mm-hmm. So nothing, and I told my husband, nothing beats the sweat that comes from a frustration cleaning. 
Um, <laughs> but I got things done, right? And and I, yeah, it quickly worked through it. So yeah, that's what has been going on this week for me. So what about you, Christy? Well, in my cup, I have water also, which is, I don't know, it's just tasting really good right now. It's getting hot, pretty hot already here down in Florida, South Florida. So water's usually my go-to, especially this late in the day um, when we are recording, because I the last thing this night owl needs is more caffeine, just to keep me up later. <laughs> in my life cup, I've been feeling that full moon, that Scorpio moon as well with the eclipse. And we are recording this on Friday of the eclipse and the full moon on May 5th. I mean, there's so much big energy today. And I am a Scorpio moon. And if I remember right, my the degree is like very close as well to what's going on right now. So it's just like triple, quadruple whammy for me. So what I was reading earlier today is your full moon brings light to areas that you need to shed light on, like you were saying, Belinda, what what you needed to see. And a Scorpio, that's the Scorpio energy anyway, so that's just a double whammy on a full moon. Then you add in the lunar eclipse, and that's a triple whammy. And then there's other stuff going on. So this is, if you've been feeling it, when this goes live, you'll, you're probably still feeling it because we still have Mercury in retrograde and other things going on as well. That's just kind of extending some of this energy. It's not until like, I think it was May 13th or 15th, somewhere around there, that will things will really start easing out. So yeah, I've been feeling it too. I've had a heavy week. I've had a lot of um, looking in the mirror as well. I'm trying to figure out what I'm seeing because the image isn't as clear as I would like it to be. So yeah, I'm just sitting in that. And that brings us to shining the starlight. And I wanted to bring that up, coming back to this portal, this eclipse portal. And we've had a lot of big energy happening in the last couple of months in the cosmos. And that does affect the earth. And if you question that, something that I was just thinking about today while walking the dog before we recorded this is that with Pluto moving into Aquarius right now, it's about to retrograde or station back. I I honestly can't remember, but it's going to be back in Capricorn for a couple of months before it moves back into Aquarius again for good. So that started like in March. And then we had the eclipse portals and we've had all this big energy and it's a lot about collective transformation. And we were hearing, I don't know if you remember, Belinda, a couple of months ago or three or four months ago that big transformation is coming on the collective level. And they are talking about big systems, government systems, financial systems, that things are really going to start to shift. And we've seen it. Just, you know, in the we had bank collapses right after they were saying that, right when that energy started changing, there were collapses. Um, there's there's starting to be talk with some new things um, that I think have to do with AI about, you know, more things that are coming financial wise. But then I started thinking about AI and how much that has really taken off lately and how much it's grown. It's just exploded even more than Like even the creator, the creator of AI is like, whoa, you know, we need to step back. We need to put a pause on things because this is going to take us in a really bad direction. And 
it's a disruptor. So I was thinking about that and how this was predicted, forecasted in this, the cosmos. But it, I wanted to bring it to light because I think this is some of what I've been dealing with this week. For some reason, maybe it's just because I was thinking about it so much. But this AI is affecting a lot of people and especially in our circles because we are authors. We work with cover designers and artists and photographers and illustrators. And AI is having a major effect on our people. And so I just wanted to shine the light on that because I'm hoping people can keep that in mind that we are all dealing with a lot of disruptive shit right now that has people worried about their careers, about their futures, about... Um, It's very personal. It's not just this big question of what is this going to do to the arts and to our culture, which is very worrisome. I mean, it it can affect music. It can affect everything that is part of the arts. And so, you know, our friends and our colleagues, the people we know, this has a personal impact on them. And so I just hope everyone keeps that in mind if we're all a little extra worried or some even freaking out and maybe they're not responding how they normally would, or maybe, you know, they're starting to make changes to how they deliver their art or what, how they're doing it. And just keep that in mind that um, we're dealing with some major disruption right now and we're all going through it. It is collective. And so just, you know, keep your heart open and, Keep your compassion there. Remember, in the end, we are all humans. We are not the AI. We have feelings and we have worries. We have dreams that might need to be shifted now. And that's that can be really hard to deal with. So, yeah. And a lot of the times, too, it's uncertain, too. It's that uncertainty. Like, where do yes. we fit if this is the direction that the industry is going in? And AI being artificial, artificial intelligence. Right. Um, I've seen so many conversations on social media talking about how people are moving into it, how it's coming into more covers and even talking about books and things like technology has its place. And, and I know, like you said, it can be worrying, but just remember nothing can replace you. Like you, your unique voice, your unique energy the the art that you bring into the world no one else can do that whether another human or another like a computer and so there's always going to be a place for you I heard that world stillness again in my head of it is it is a disruptive change it's a change nonetheless and it's one of those things let's see where it goes so we can understand more you know instead of just being so reactive Yes. Because it is, it's scary. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to put all my time into writing this story, but someone else can use AI and generate it out. It's still going to miss that thing, that spark, that magic that comes from having experienced emotion, having experienced the weaving of words together that we do as humans or as artists. And like so, yeah, just the it, imaginative it, aspect, the creation. Yeah. I think we're all just waiting to see where our place in the world is with AI. I think that, yeah. There's a reason to stop creating, though. Like, just no, keep no. doing your thing. 
Yeah. Right? And, ju- and just, you know, understand that we're all trying to figure out what our place is going to be in it. And some are, everyone's going to embrace it or fight it differently. And just keep that in mind that what other people are doing, that's not you. So you have your own way of using it, not using it, keeping tabs on it or not, you know, that that's a very personal decision. And so, you know, don't compare yourself. Don't get into that comparisonitis and also the judgment, you know, of yourself or anybody else, because it is, it's just, that's what was really coming through for me today is we're all trying to figure it out. It, it is going to be, I think, a bigger disruptor than we thought even just six months ago. And we, we yeah. all, we're all going to figure out where is our place in this and how are we going to do our thing and bring our genius and our unique contribution forward. Exactly. Because um, that's the only thing you can control, right? I can't control AI. I can't control where it goes, what it touches. I can only control myself and how I respond and how I choose to live my life. So I think that's that's great points and that's some great advice for those who, like us, are watching this unfold and mm-hmm. trying to figure out where we sit with it. And so it's a personal thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Um, we're definitely in this transformative energy right now and it's, it is just going to, it's going to get bigger and it's going to keep going. And who, you know, who knows what the world might look like in another year or three years or five years. So it's up to us to just keep shining our light. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Shine on people. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a good reminder for keeping up with us, too, because that's what we're here for. That's why we have the name of Starlight and Moonbeams. It's to shine the light in the darkness. And so make sure you follow us. You can subscribe to our email list for free goodies, including a uh, free issue of Moonbeams magazine, which our next issue is coming up soon. You can also hit the subscribe button below, or it might say follow, depending on um, what platform you're listening to us on. But make sure you hit that so you can be notified when we have new episodes. And we invite you to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook as Starlight Tea Podcast and also as of Starlight and Moonbeams. And others would like to know what you think about the podcast. So we hope that you will consider leaving a review. Okay, so this week we're serving the tea on Mother's because Mother's Day in America is right around the corner. Um, If I remember right, in Australia it's different. So I get to wish my mother a happy birthday Oh, I can't even remember when it is. It's earlier or later in the year. But we're going to be talking about moms and the powerful roles that they play in our life, um, how it can affect our creativity. And so the first thing I thought that we could do when I was researching it was to see what definitions of being a mom, a mother, and the qualities that she embodies. I I know what my mom is and I know who I am as a mother, but I wanted to see what the official 
uh, mm-hmm. definition was. And Webster Dictionary says it's a female parent, <laughs> which wasn't <laughs> very helpful. <laughs> um, and it said that, <laughs> I loved the way it worded this, that which has produced or nurtured something. <laughs> and then it went on to other things. I thought, no, that's, yeah, it, it, it was just a little weird. And I thought, okay, so while that's a definition, it really is, okay, a mother is a female parent, and, and it means to nurture something, it doesn't even begin to describe what a mother is, or the qualities she had. So I went to Google, and I went to my beloved Pinterest app, and I typed in motherhood, or mother definition, and I love the things that it came up with. Like one uh, site said, that a mother is someone who sees the best in her kids, even when they drive her crazy. She's a master multitasker. Yep. Expert mm-hmm. calmer downer. She's a lie detector, a mediator, a finder of all things. Uh, yeah. It's the hottest job in the world. Mm-hmm. One who does, uh, and she's one who does the work of 20 for free. And then it said, see also superhuman, therapist, chauffeur, bodyguard. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so yes. true, yep. <laughs> like, I tick all those things, like the lie detector that I was like, I have memories of, yeah, my kids go, no, I didn't get into this. And going, you can't lie to me. Like, sooner or later, the truth always comes out. And it used to just blow their mind that, yeah, that they couldn't get one over on me. And I did the same to my mom. Did you ever, your mom, or did you ever say, I have eyes in the back of my head? Like, moms know, oh you know. <laughs> my mom used to say that all the time. I was like, of course, when I was little, I was like, really? And then when I was older, I was like, yeah, right. But, oh, my gosh, they always know. And we do, you know. Right? It's like we we can see behind us and all around us and all around you. And you don't even have to be in the same room. <laughs> Exactly. I know what's going on. And it's funny too, like having you having said that, how many times now as we're raising our own kids or grandkids or whatever, that we find ourselves saying the same things that our mothers did. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I've become my mother. (laughs) Which which for me is a good thing because my mother's amazing. But yeah, and it's like there are times that even now, I'll call home and I'll go, Mom, I just want to apologize. She has what for? And I'm like, because <laughs> I was a little shit as a kid or because I did this or, oh, my gosh. And she would just laugh and like, I'm yep. so sorry that I did this. <laughs> so sorry is a little shit. Yes, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry. Even now, I'm 48 and I'm still apologizing. It's just crazy. <laughs> And so here's another definition I found. The one who loves you unconditionally from birth, a maker and keeper of precious memories, and the one you can count on above all else. I like this one because I'm the maker and keeper of precious memories. I'm the Mm -hmm. one that takes the photographs. I'm the one that looks for opportunities for my kiddo to grow and to have fun. And so I Mm -hmm. thought that was That was really interesting one. It says here, a person who does everything for everyone and doesn't ask for help. That sounds very familiar. 
Um, mm-hmm. Also knows when you're lying. Here, here it is again. Yeah, knows yeah. when you're lying, like Santa Claus, right? <laughs> and makes the best meals, desserts, and snacks. <laughs> I can imagine every everyone, every mother or person who has filled a mother role agreeing with this next one. She is the one that sacrifices her body, her sleep, her social life, spending money, eating hot meals, peeing alone, patience, energy, and sanity, all for love. Yes. And lifting my hands up and praying. (laughs) So true. So much more than female parent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or producing something that encompasses everything. I particularly like the peeing alone. Like, I don't know what it's like to pee alone anymore. And that goes for mothers of fur babies. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So if you've got a kiddo and fur babies, you're screwed. You're not peeing alone ever. (laughs) Like you have to have some stealth ninja quality going on, right? <laughs> I hear these little feet. And then I'm like, and I hear Mark going, Grandma's in the toilet. She's she going potty. And then, bam, door flies open. Hi. <laughs> Hi, baby. Grandma's going potty. Hi. Turn around. <laughs> he comes and sits on his little potty and just sits there. And I'm like, okay, this is a family event. Okay, <laughs> would you like some toilet paper or the when he realized the toilet flushed? Yeah, flush in the toilet five times while I'm still sitting on it. <laughs> no, yeah, that <laughs> right. age, that age is so fun. <laughs> I hope fun he grows out of it, right? Great. He does, right? <laughs> it's just ah, oh. but those little feet, dicka 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 dicka. Yeah, again. There's so much more to being a mother than just that one definition. All these yeah. memories that we can both draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one. The mother's the glue that keeps everything together. Mm-hmm. She's the a strong, beautiful woman who loves unconditionally, the best teacher, cook, biggest cheerleader, and the most miraculous person in the whole world. She's the family gift buyer and the family vacation planner. Oh my, I legit yeah. just got chills. Yeah. Right? The most yeah. miraculous person in the whole world. So when you think of all the things you can be, like uh, important things, important roles and jobs, you know, that being a mom, it's pretty much up there because all these little people are just counting on you. Yeah. You know, little fur yeah. babies. And so what do you think about that? What do you think about those those definitions? Is there anything else that we missed? There's a lot of really good stuff here, but there's also a little twinges in me too. And we'll discuss it later when we get to the mother wound, because a lot of it is like your ideal mother or how you want to be as a mother, how you, and some of us actually were blessed to have a mother or a mother figure, um, whether it was your biological mother or not or the person, the mother who raised you or not, you had someone in your life who, you know, exemplified these qualities. And we'll kind of get into that too, as well, that a mother is not just the person who gave birth to you, or who raise raises little kids. I mean, there's a lot more here that can be a mother. But again, I, the one thing I do like about the dictionary 
that which has produced or nurtured something. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily yeah. another human being. It's, it's a business. It's a home. It's a charity. It's, you know, and of course you we're all mothers of our fur babies. You got to take care of them in, in these same ways that you take care of humans. So yeah, it's, it's, I think there's so much into mother that it's undefinable, really. I agree. There, because, yeah, we touched on a lot here, but it's not, we're not touching on the other things that you, you talked about. Like you can um, create things, like something that's outside of a human. You've got your fur babies. I think anyone who's a caretaker, a natural, natural born caretaker, they embody those qualities of mothering, of nurturing. Um, mm-hmm. It could be. Yeah, it, it's more than just a role. It's an energy, I think, yeah. that moms, I said that word again, embody, which kind of mm-hmm. goes on to the second thing that I thought it would be interesting to talk about because um, it's the divine mother archetype. It's that energy. Right. Um, we talk a lot about, um, in our February issue of Moonbeams Magazine, we talked about feminine, divine feminine archetypes that we as women can draw on. And one of those is the divine mother as herself and also as part of the triple goddess. And it's those traits and those lessons and those feelings and beliefs that we can draw on every day to help us be the type of women, be the type of creators that we want. And I pulled some of the quotes from a few quotes from that issue. And it says, says the mother symbolized by the full moon is the woman who holds the power to bring new life into the world, strong and confident in her sexuality and sensuality. She represents fertility in being able to nurture life in all of its fullness, understanding the patience that comes with responsibility and the importance of sustaining the energies required to create. The mother, that divine archetype, offers us the invitation to master the act of giving and receiving love with the additional gentle reminder not to only nourish the life that you give, but also your own through self-care. Um, one thing that should be noted and embraced is that the archetype of the mother, she doesn't just encompass uh, giving birth to children, like you said, but that of creation in its entirety, whether that be new projects, our hopes and dreams of the life that we long for. Um, as women, not only do we hold, but we also harness that divine spark of creation within us. It is woven into our very beings to manifest. And so, yeah, and then there was a, a few examples throughout different cultures of the mother, like Bridget, Artio, Demeter, Frigga, Gaia, Hestia, Isis, Kuan Yin, and also the Mother Mary. Mm-hmm. Divine feminine archetypes. The great mother is the all-encompassing of all the archetypes, and she is the creator of all, of all creation she she formed it in the great void the mother's the great mother's womb and all creation has been born from that and so she is that unconditional love that um, some of the things that you know we were talking about earlier that maybe we didn't quite experience with our own mothers or didn't have you know from we didn't have that 
role in our lives as children for various reasons. There's, the great mother is always there and we can lean into her for that unconditional love, for that support, for um, the quote or affirmation or mantra that comes with her is, if I can get it the way I was taught it, is just so beautiful. There is nothing you can do to make me love you. There is nothing you can do to make me not love you. I simply love you. And I do too. (laughs) And it's such a good reminder to sit there and think about the divine mother. And that is, you know, the, the feminine face of, of the creator, the great creator, the source of all. So you have God, father, God, and you have mother goddess. And so that's what we're talking about is that divine mother aspect of the big divine, the creator of all. I love too, like we're starting to see her talked about more too. I know for me, mm-hmm. growing up, and especially in uh, organized religion, she's kept very secret. She's kept. Oh, she was to cut the side. out. She was completely <laughs> cut out. And it was done on purpose. She was cut out. Um, right. Of some of the the current traditional religions or organized religions, the feminine was completely cut out because the men in charge were scared of her. And even within themselves, they were scared of that energy within themselves. Which is so, no, but it's so sad. You're so right. Think of all the things that we can look outside and see all the things that we wish we could change, that we could influence. Just how much, I wonder how much life would be different if we had have had always had access to that divine Mm -hmm. mother energy, that nurturing you know, to me, she's the opposite of oppression. She freely gives. Um, she encourages us to to be ourselves and to be authentic. It's just that freedom that, uh, that's just the word freedom. Um, life would be different, I think, if, well, I know I should say, if she hadn't had been removed. And I'm sad that she's been kind of removed or even when she has been shown like with the mother Mary, she's revered in some religion, but not, not the way that she should. She's downplayed. Yeah. It's still like a a sidekick. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's done harm, not just to women, but to men too. I mean, if, maybe even more because we all need that great mother energy. We all need to know it, to embrace it, to embody it, to share it with others, but to be able to rest in it. I mean, we all need it because we are all feminine and masculine, but by shutting her out, cutting her off and, you know, trying to, for the last several thousand years, trying to remove her from our hearts, it's just created this huge imbalance. We're just right. way off. So, And so you're not really having an opportunity to fully encompass your power. Right. Because you're missing, you're missing that other piece, a vital piece. Cause, and, and isn't that what we learned with Beltane, that it's the weaving of the masculine and the feminine together that creates that beautiful third. I remember right. you sharing that in the Beltane um, mm-hmm. podcast. 
so that when you remove that feminine part from the world or access or limit that access to it and vilify it, you know, you miss out. You're not receiving that fullness, that wholeness and coming from a place of balance and of peace. Right. Right. And we're vilifying a part of ourselves. Exactly. And then anytime we then, like I imagine males, we see it, um, especially as writers when we're trying to tap into our uh, male characters, there's that assumption that males don't nurture or if they do mm-hmm. nurture that something is wrong with them. No, you know, yeah. there are lessons that we learn from our fathers, but we also need to learn them from our mothers. And like Mm -hmm. you said, exactly the same. Men need those lessons too, if not more, to kind of counterbalance what they're learning in society. Right. That it's okay to be both, right? Yeah. And so uh, another quote that I pulled from the magazine is, just as mythology, mythology teaches us that the mother was instrumental in creating the beautiful abundance surrounding us, She teaches us that we also hold the same creative power in our very souls and DNA, whether that be by conceiving children of our own or simply designing projects that nurture that spark of purpose. It is our sacred joy in protecting and breathing life into our passions. Being like the Divine Mother and honoring this fundamental archetype encompasses everything we value, imagination, intuitiveness, innovation, and resourcefulness. It elevates us from thoughts of hopelessness to one of empowerment. And Mm. I liked that, that it helps lift us up. It elevates us. It makes us better. That's, that's what we're hoping to do is yeah. Awaken that remind, remember, remember our connection to her and that we all embody her and bring her back out into this 3d world. Exactly. And so, okay, I've said it before, I like knowing the origin of things, origin of words, I like knowing where sayings come from, and I like knowing how things started. Um, And I get to play with that a little in each month of the magazine as well. So I wanted to see what the history of celebrating motherhood was. Obviously, we've been celebrating um, mothers and motherhood from the beginning of time. Um, It can be traced back to the ancient Greeks and the Romans who held festivals in honor of the mother goddesses Rhea and I think Sibel. Within each culture, there is a goddess that is revered as the mother. And so celebrations happen, festivals, offerings are are given up to her. I thought it was interesting. The clearest um, modern precedent for Mother's Day that we know it as Mother's Day was Mm -hmm. an early Christian festival known as Mothering Sunday. It was once a major tradition in the United Kingdom and parts of Europe where it was celebrated on the fourth Sunday in Lent and Lent happens over Easter So, and was originally seen as a time when the faithful would return to their mother church, the main church in the vicinity of their home for a special service. And so um, it's funny, Mothering Sunday had nothing to do with mothers, right? Let's go back back to to the the mother church. church. Oh my gosh. Right. (laughs) And so we could talk so much about that. Like, isn't it just interesting how 
I, know. I couldn't help but start laughing. <laughs> what the hell? Whereas they came before Christianity, they had a right. They honored their mothers. They honored the goddess. Then along yeah. comes Christianity and says, yeah, come back and it's Mothering Sunday and we're going to Get your butt and celebrate church. and do, yep, sit in those pews and give those donations for a special service. Uh, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe a special service was talking about moms, but yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So yeah. this was something that I thought was <laughs> really interesting. The official Mother's Day holiday, like the official when it became, it arose in the 1900s as a result of the efforts of a woman called Anna Jarvis. She was the daughter of Anne Reeve. And Reeves Jarvis. And following her mom's death in 1905, Anne rece- uh, she conceived of the idea of Mother's Day as a way of honoring the sacrifices mothers made for their children. Which, okay, yeah. woman we says, like okay, that. let's get you back on track. Yeah. Right? She um, got some financial backing from a department store owner in um, 1908. So it took about eight years to get it done. Yeah. So then they organized the first official Mother's Day celebration at a Methodist church in West Virginia. Following the success of the first Mother's Day, Jarvis, who, by the way, was unmarried and childless her whole life, she saw it as a way to honor her mother. She resolved to see her holiday added to the national calendar. It was that important to her. So her argument, which I love, she argued that the American holidays were biased towards male achievements. And so she started a massive letter writing campaign to newspapers and prominent politicians of the time, urging um, the adoption of a special day that honored motherhood. And so it was in 1912 that many states, towns and churches had adopted it as an annual holiday. And it, but it wasn't until 1914 when the President Woodruff, uh, Woodrow Wilson signed a measure officially establishing that the second Sunday in May was Mother's Day. And so that was a huge thing back then because, like she said, everything that was celebrated, it revolved around men. And she just wanted something for women. As most things go, though, <laughs> once it got established and everything like that, then the holiday got twisted. It became a way for companies to make a huge profit. So it became extremely commercial and viewed the day where we would wear, uh, you would wear a white carnation and go visit your mom, go spend it with her, it be family time. Yeah, that's how she envisioned Mother's Day would be. And it only took, what, it was 1914 that the president officially declared it. By six years later, 1920, she'd become so disgusted with how the holiday had been commercialized, she outwardly denounced it. She (laughs) denounced the transformation of what it had become, and she urged people to stop buying Mother Day flowers, cards, and candies, and all of that. So by the time of her death in 1948, the person who had the best of intentions, she had officially, like she had clearly disowned it. She disowned the holiday altogether and even actively lobbied the government to see it removed from the American calendar. She hated it. Wow. 
it just wow. became a way for companies to make money. Yeah. Um, and we see that, right? We see that with all the holidays, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always something like, and it takes away from the meaning and the purpose behind it, which was really sad. It was sad that she hated it by the time she died. She basically yeah. wished that it never happened. Yeah. And so, but it's still there. It's still on our calendar. So maybe something that we can do in knowing that is just honoring her memory, honoring her intention and just making Mother's Day that not about what gifts you can buy for your mother or gifts that you received. It's about spending time together, um, sharing stories, creating memories, a way of saying thank you. You know, you can buy me all the cards and the presents and flowers that you want but you telling me, you know, thank you, mom, or thank you, grandma. Or I want to spend the day with you. Yeah, time. Time is the most beautiful gift that you can give because it never seems to be enough. Right? And especially to your and mother. So, and yeah, especially the older she gets, because um, one of those days that time runs out. It's not infinite. And exactly. I can see why she would get so disgusted because, you know, when you really think about it, giving gifts that it's an easy way out. It's like, okay, here, I got you a Mother's Day gift or I got you a Valentine's gift. My part is done. Instead of, you know, really honoring what the day is supposed to be about. So, yeah, I don't blame her. I remember somewhere reading, I don't know if it was on social media or where it's probably on social media, where if you are going to give flowers to your mother, put them in a vase, put them in water, like when you hand over flowers to your mother, it's just another task for her to do. Mm, yeah. And so I, I think, it, like you said, it goes back to just giving time. That's the greatest thing. And it's something that I'm mindful of. I'm in America. My mom is over in Australia. I don't, I don't get to do much with her. And so those phone calls, those video calls that I have with my mom are important trying to to get as much as I can with the time that I have. I think something too that's important to talk about when we're talking about motherhood and mothers and creating new projects or whatever is the identity that we develop as women that we take it on. Like, um, okay, for example, my experience is I had a wonderful mother. I grew up, I wanted to be just like my mother When I got married, I wanted to have children. I'm a stepmother. I married a man who had two little girls. They were, I believe, three or four. Uh, So as a stepmother, and and I did the best that I could stepping in when there was their biological mother trying to navigate that and navigate the fact that she wasn't part of their lives. And, okay, I'm trying to be a mom, but I'm a stepmom, but I hate the word stepmother, and I'm just going to love you, and I'm just going to give you everything that I can. And then trying to get pregnant and not being able to have children of my own, it went against that identity. And we talked about that a little last week, I think, um, when we talked about toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing, about that whole my identity was when I grew up and got married and had, you know, you have children. And if you're not a mother and not able to give birth and have children of your own, then what the heck is good for you? What, what use are you like? That's your primary mm-hmm. role in life. 
And so motherhood as an identity for me has been just, it hasn't been the ideal. It hasn't been how I envisioned it. Having to deal with the, you're not my mother. Well, I know I'm not your mother, honey, but I love you. And I'm trying to do my best to, to raise you to be a good person. You know, and the apologizing, like I felt I had to apologize all the time. I'm so sorry, honey, that I couldn't give you children. I'm so sorry to my parents that I couldn't give you grandchildren. And that having to ask myself, okay, you know, what is my purpose then? Who am I if I can't be a mother? And a lot of those, a lot of dark night of the souls, a lot of going to therapy, a lot of trying to figure out who I am. And I, I see posts by other mothers who have the flip of me of who am I, you know, um, when this little kid grows up and, and, and stuff like that. And I imagine that you kind of fit in there, right? Because we've had opposite experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I raised, I have three boys. i was pregnant four times, um, gave birth, three live births and raised them. And, you know, when they were little, like my first, oh, he was such a gorgeous baby. And I was like, oh, he could be a model. And then I start thinking about, you know, that whole stereotype of um, the stage mother. I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. I'm going to have my own thing. And that's actually when I started my first business because I wanted to make sure that you know, I wasn't all wrapped up in living through my vicariously through my children. And so it was really surprising when I became an empty nester and they they all flew the coop. They grew up and they went on and they're so independent and which is my job. But all of a sudden mm-hmm. I was in that place like, well, who am I now? You know, I don't have these people who are depending on me to feed them and make sure there's toilet paper in the bathroom and, you know, (laughs) answer the questions. And of course they still need me. We all still need our mothers when we grow up, but it's in a different way. And so, yeah, it was, I had somewhat of an identity crisis there. It's, it's something that I think we're all going to go through no matter how much you think you're prepared for it. But it was a real lesson for me to learn not to wrap my identity up in other people, in other things. Because at the same time, and this is, you know, this was my mothering too, was I had finished my first book series. And so that baby, you know, that was a baby that I put out into the world. And I was trying to transition into what was next. And I didn't know. And some other things happened in my personal life. I ended up being single, which I hadn't been planning on. No kids. My book series. I mean, it was all like all these things that I felt like was who I was had disappeared. And that's when I really hit that dark night of the soul, too. One of my probably my darkest was just such a loss of of identity and, and asking who am I, but it's also going back to what we've been saying in previous episodes about that birth, death and rebirth process. And this is how we transform and this is how we grow and evolve and move into that next phase. And so, yeah, the, the mother identity is, and that takes us into the mother wound as well, because 
how we identify as a mother and how we expect our mothers to be and how we identify as women also comes into this and into our mother wound. Did you want to, did you have anything to put in there? About the healing mother wound? I just, I just think that it's the idea that as mothers or as women, you know, we have this idea of what mothers were meant to be like when we saw them on TV sitcoms, right? The perfect mom, the perfect hair, perfect clothes, perfect house. But in the reality is that our mothers are just human. We're human and we're subjected to our own flaws and insecurities and trauma that they need to heal from, that we need to heal from. You know, just as we're bombarded and raised with our own society ideals, they were raised the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those cycles where we just carry it on. You know, we each deal with generational healing. And so that's why I thought that it would be important to kind of end the the episode talking about healing that mother wound. There's an article in our our current issue of Moonbeams Magazine for Mother's Day about the mother wound. And I believe her name is Beth Beth or Bethany Webster. She coined the term uh, and wrote a book about it. And an important thing to say, and we don't want to end this on a down side because it is important to understand the wound, but so that you can heal it. And so what she says is the mother wound isn't something we need to avoid or feel shame about. It's a doorway to our full power and potential. And once women process the pain of the mother wound, we can create safe places for women to express the truth of their pain and receive support. So this comes to, if you haven't read the article or you don't know about the mother wound, what is it? And it's a little bit about what Belinda was just saying, this ideal that we set for mothers and then being disappointed as children, but also as mothers ourselves that we can't meet that ideal. And so it's, it's generational and it's cyclic. And what happens is as children, we see our mothers struggle and they get frustrated because they're not meeting this ideal that has been set by society. And as children, we feel like it's our fault. And so we carry that guilt and that shame with us thinking that, you know, we've disappointed our mothers or we've hurt them in some way when it has nothing to do with us. And it has it's really not even them. It's the damage that has been done from society and through the generations. And then we grow up as daughters and we want to come into our fullest potential and our fullest power. But we also see everything that our mother sacrificed for us. And so we we hold back. Or society keeps us from, you know, being fully who we can be. And so, you know, we walk that line because we don't want to diminish what our mothers have done. We don't want to make them feel bad because they weren't able to do it. And so, yeah, we hold back and then we pass that on to our own daughters and it just keeps going until we can say enough is enough and heal that wound. And this comes back to our goal of talking about how to weave this all into creating that magical life and coming back to our art and our businesses. And by healing the mother wound, you you uncover 
what those past traumas are, what those wounds are. You dig down deep, you do the forgiveness, you do the healing. And what that does is it allows you to come back into your own power so you can be more creative in your art so that you can really step up in your business and reach your full potential. And healed people, healed mothers, and your healed ancestors will be cheering you on. They will be supporting you in doing that because they weren't able to. And this myth that we've created that you'll make them feel bad, that's from an unhealed perspective. When we're healed, we're we can feel that we are being lifted up on their shoulders and, you know, doing what they haven't been able to do. And I had this beautiful kind of meditative experience a couple of months ago of receiving that power from my ancestors and them actually giving it to me and saying, here, we couldn't do what you can do. So take it and make the most of it. And now I just, I feel, you know, just this, there's responsibility there, but also, you know, this power that, okay, they want me to do this. I'm going to step up into doing it, what they weren't able to. And so there's so much more about the mother wound. You can learn more about it in the article in the Moonbeams magazine issue. And also check out Beth Webster's website. And uh, she's written books. She has a free mini ebook you can download. And yeah, there's a lot to learn there. There's a lot to unpack, but it, it's it's really important that we do it for ourselves, for our own mothers and grandmothers and all the way back and also for our daughters going forward. It's funny. I became a grandmother and that's one of the things that I said that I wanted to heal so I didn't pass anything on to him so mm-hmm. that he didn't have to carry baggage from me into his life and then pass it on that he would be able to. Yeah. It's just about stopping that cycle. It's about freeing up all that beautiful energy that has been stuck for generations Mm -hmm. and just, you not only empower yourself, you empower those that have gone before. And I, I can't think of a more beautiful gift that you can do than to heal those wounds. Right to fully step into who you're meant to be. So, yeah, I love that. So that I I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode today on motherhood and mother. There's a whole bunch of uh, great insights in there. And we wish you a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy um, Mother's Day. Give the Day. gift of time. To all of you mothers, no matter what you're a mother of. Hey, Belinda, what starburst are you sharing today? Okie dokie. My starburst was, it was a no-brainer for me today. Um, I wanted to share a starburst today on Rosemary Navarra or um, Rosie. She is a psychic medium who has studied tarot and shamanism, mediumship, and evolutionary astrology. All that good stuff. And she's also a co-creator of an oracle card deck called The Body of Wisdom. She's, I believe, about to release another deck soon as well. The name escapes me. But I've seen the artwork, and the artwork is beautiful. I had the amazing pleasure of uh, receiving a reading from her when I went to that 
psychic fair last month in Winslow. And she really, truly has a gift. She's also a monthly contributor to the Moonbeams magazine, where she gives readers a new card spread for the month that comes with some insightful questions that you can ask. She's just, to me, she's super sweet, friendly, and an awesome person. And so I, we will make sure to leave her information of how you can find her in the episode notes to reach out to her for a reading. Because yeah, I had full on shivers when I got a reading from her. She was so spun on. It was insane. She's incredibly in tuned with her gift and with her guides. What about you, Christy? What's your stoppers for today? Yeah, well, first of all, Rosemary, Rosie is a a sweetheart. I I adore her too. And she works with Carol Franck is the artist that she works with. Yeah. So who who does the artwork for the cards. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. And for my Starburst, it might sound a little self-serving, but it's just kind of where I've been this week. I've been feeling, and I think maybe it's some of this energy of needing to let go um, with this this Scorpio moon. I just want to give a big starburst out to all of our Havenwood Falls authors. And just because I've been missing that town and also our readers, because I've, I've just been missing creating in that world. And we've kind of, we did a sunset edition and kind of closed it down at least for now. So it, you know, every time I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And so I just want to give a shout out to all the authors who are involved in that. There are 40, I always forget the number, 43 of us, I think. So many books out there. Yeah. And it was just an amazing world that was created. And in a way, we were all mothers of that world. It's a lot. And so that is my starburst for this week. And if you want to learn more, it's at havenwoodfalls.com. And no, that's not just to be self-serving. So please don't take it that way. It's really a shout out to all the others who helped create that world. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us for this cupper. Please come back next Wednesday. We're going to be serving the tea on the wheel of the year. So you can find Starlight Tea on Spotify and Apple. Um, it's going to be coming to Good Pods, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Player FM. In the meantime, be sure to follow us at Starlight Tea Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And if you have a question or a topic suggestion you'd like us to talk about, feel free to DM us or email at hello at starlightteapodcast.com. We hope you'll join us next week. And in the meantime, remember to keep your teacup overflowing so you can serve from the saucer. Now go make some magic.